Here to hear my conversation with Constantine Bomer, who leads the McKenzie Fixed Income Team, we do a deep dive into sustainable debt and focus on two particular issues that have just come to market that offer a new way to think about investing in fixed income. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be here with our fixed income team lead, Constantine Bomer. Constantine, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm not sure if it was the last podcast I had you on, but we talked a lot about sustainable debt. And we thought we'd have you back uh, because there's been some sort of interesting developments in the sustainable debt market. I think that when most people think about sustainable debt, they immediately gravitate towards green bonds. Uh, But uh, we've been talking uh, a little bit uh, before this podcast, and there's uh, quite a few or or at least some uh, new bond issuers uh, within that sustainable uh, bond that aren't green bonds. And I thought that we'd have you on the podcast to discuss them a little bit more fully. So maybe you can start with the most recent bond that uh, that you were looking at and have indeed uh, are looking to invest in. Yeah, sure. So one of the bonds that we looked at very recently is a bond that uh, falls under the category of debt for nature swaps. Okay. And what, what they are is... It is uh, usually, and it's a, it's a brand new space, uh, really, that uh, we've now seen three big issues or slightly bigger issues in that space in the last three years. So it is not uh, Main Street by, by any stretch, but the debt issuance of those deals is increasing in size. And I think there's also some kind of uh, momentum behind it that is um, maybe looking for further deals of that nature coming coming into into this space reasonably soon great so actually there's already another one that is being discussed but the bond that we were looking at is an is a bond from from ecuador and the way that those debt for nature swaps work is that it's oftentimes emerging markets that uh, are in some kind of maybe financial trouble or in a challenging situation and in order for them to reduce their debt load and uh, get on a more sustainable financial path forward, um, they are also including some environmental projects into those deals. So okay. they become like a twofold deal. On the one side, it is dealing with the financial challenges, and on the other side, it is dealing with some. Uh, nature-related goals, and that's th- that's kind of cool because, in a way, that is a win-win situation because a lot of those emerging markets, especially the ones that are uh, somewhat financially challenged, they don't really have so much money to spend on preserving or expanding the the, the preservation of some of their their nature-based assets. Right, but. It is a common goal, I think, of this uh, of, of of our society to to want to uh, conserve some of those some of the most beautiful and most diverse and diverse places from a from a climate and biodiversity perspective in the world. So, combining 
the nature part and the financial part. Um, there's some uh, yeah, some creative folks uh, around the globe have come up with with the, the idea of debt for nature swaps, which is basically saying we're uh, swapping some of the old existing debt into new debt, but that new debt is not solely there to refinance the old one, but there is a little bit extra, and that little bit extra is going to certain projects to preserve nature in in those countries got it so let's get into the weeds a little bit normally we don't uh, spend a podcast talking about uh, a bond issue so i think we've already uh, introduced ourselves to the weeds so let's let's go full tilt um what the bond that you're referring to so what are the specifics of it how does ecuador uh, benefit from it uh, what are they looking to preserve um and, and who else is involved uh, yeah so this is so Ecuador is, uh, let's say, one not not one of the most pristine um, debtors in the world. So their credit profile is heavily in the emerging market, uh, sorry, heavily in the in the high yield market. So sure. that is um, very low credit rating, and those bonds that are like the, the the current bonds that are trading in Ecuador are probably in the in the, in, they are in the distress level, so that is trading at around twenty-two uh, percent yield or so. So that is exceptionally high yields. I know we're not in the ultra-low yield environment anymore, but twenty-two. <laughs> twenty-two is a lot. Uh, is, <laughs> yeah, that that is a lot, and that is generally too high for uh, whether that's countries or also companies to successfully operate um, going forward. So they are in, and they were in distress. And what what happened here is that with this transaction, there were 1.6 billion dollars of notional, so 1.6 billion dollars of existing debt of Ecuador were swapped into a new bond that is that has a a total size of just over 650 million. Okay. Okay. So. Those $1.6 billion were basically retired. So they went to uh, holders of Ecuadorian debt and asked them, do you want to give us your bonds? And we will um, give you as a replacement, we'll give you a different kind of bond. Okay, And that different kind of bond is a little bit more attractive for those current holders because it comes with, uh, with guarantees from two different international organizations. One is the IADB, so that would be the Inter-American Development Bank, and the other one is uh, USDFC, so that is the US Agency Development Finance Corp. So those are heavy hitters in the supranational space, okay. and they are providing this new bond with extra guarantees. And those extra guarantees, are making this bond a lot more favorable from a credit perspective because now you're not only facing Ecuador as a uh, as the obligor on the other side, but you are also have to take into account that you have IADB and DFC with their 
credit insurance as part of the deal. So the the credit rating, and not that we go by by credit ratings and they tell us exactly how risky investments are or not, but you went to all of a sudden you went to a double A oh, wow. two credit rating, which is one of the highest credit ratings you can. And the only reason why they got it is because of those guarantees. But that comes with a, a beautiful side benefit, of course, for the country. So side benefit number one is that they don't right, they 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 don't they retired one point six billion dollars of debt and now only have six hundred fifty million debt outstanding. So that is uh, uh, they reduced their debt load by basically a billion. And it forward looking, it comes with a much lower coupon. Right. Right, because if you are a high yield issuer like Ecuador, your coupon payments, if they were to issue a bond, a brand new bond right now, right, that that would be in the twenty percent range. Right, and in this case, it is trading like U.S. Treasuries plus one hundred and eighty basis points. So way, way, way better in terms of the 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 total cost that is involved for Ecuador, and that makes it quite interesting for Ecuador, but some of the cost savings are that that Ecuador is, is experiencing with this are just going for um, like making the credit profile of Ecuador a little bit better. And part of the savings are going into the conservation of um, of the Galapagos Islands because the Galapagos Islands uh, belong to or are part of Ecuador. And that is probably, as you and your listeners uh, will know, one of the most biodiverse places around the world. And that is a really, I think, worthy project to to invest more money to ensure that the biodiversity in that place will continue to exist going forward. Uh, very interesting. So in the money that is being raised, you said some of it's going to the conservation of the Galapagos. That's presumably why the two supranationals that you're, uh, you refer to are guaranteeing this. What, what, are they, what, are, what are the actual goals uh, of the money and, and how do the people providing the uh, credit protection, um, the IADB and USDIC, I think I wrote down, um, what are they looking for and how do they hold uh, Ecuador accountable? Yeah, good question. The money that is going to preserve the biodiversity around the Galapagos Islands. So they already have some form of preservation, right? If um, if you research the Galapagos Islands and see what kind of projects they already have, sure. there is already quite a bit there that is uh, guided towards um, preserving what we have and the unique species that are inhabitants of that place but it is not enough and what this bond will provide is that it is actually doubling the conservation funding efforts in that region and that is um by helping to provide uh, like sustainable fishing regulations and uh, making sure that the entire space so it is not only about the galapagos islands it's called the hermadad marine reserve so it is it okay. includes a little bit more than the Galapagos Islands, also going into 
closer towards uh, Costa Rica, who has an island close by. And that whole area is extremely important for um, uh, endangered species that migrate between those areas. And that is basically doubling that uh, that allocation in terms of money that is going into that space. And that is, I think, pretty, yeah, that is pretty substantial. And it uh, goes into the hundreds of millions of dollars over the next few years. So that is, um, I think, in, in terms of magnitude, like 400 million over the lifespan of this bond. Okay. When you're talking about a... 660 um, million in bond issuance that is i think quite substantial and that is also i think how we as investors have to look at it right it is like it doesn't wouldn't make a lot of sense to have tons of debt forgiveness and then just a few percentage points of that of that going into um, any kind of environmental project, there needs to be a fine balance between how much is the government benefiting and saving from this and how much right. of that is going actually into the conservation of the areas in uh, on, on the environmental side that need the attention. So, And I think in this case here, the split is pretty good. So there's a, a good amount of money that actually goes to those projects, but there's also a substantial amount that is being used to to reduce the overall debt load for, for the country. That's great. Um, maybe to ask a follow-up on your view as an investor, as you're constructing uh, portfolios, be it your traditional offerings, uh, something like a strategic bond or, or something more of a core uh, bond portfolio or the sustainable debt uh, portfolio that you run, Constantine. How do you balance um, both? You, you, you addressed that a little bit, but the, both the um, dollars put towards sustainability. Do you have a line in the sand on what is too little, what is too, uh, what is reasonable? Uh, and then second of all, how do you look at it from a risk-adjusted return point of view? Yeah. All right. So good questions, Matt. Um, it is... So for us, like, like it is, it is beautiful to have bonds that are having an impact. And but we also like we're not like for most of our mandates, we're not necessarily paid to make an impact. So my boss, the CIO, he wants to see primarily that the performance is good, right? And that has to be fully respected. And I generally agree that that is the primary objective for the majority of our funds for some of our sustainable mandates right we have a dual objectives and for that there's uh, right we can look at those ideas more intensively and that is also what we're doing here but in in this case and actually in a in another impact bond that we invested in last year it actually happens to be the case that we like it, even if there was no impact associated with it, just purely from a financial standpoint, this actually still looks good. Like a, It's not that this will be the greatest financial investment we will do in our lives, but sure. it is a good investment for the risks that we're taking. And we believe that that is the case here as well. So it is on a standalone basis, it, it kind of has to work. 
And it does in this case, it doesn't in all cases. It's not that every impact bond where we think that they're attractive, we've rejected many of them in the past, but every now and then, or, 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 or at least um, two in the in the last two years, we've found quite interesting also from a standalone basis, from the financial perspective. So that is then also making it a possible investment for our regular funds that are not just sustainable, but right, they could find their ways into our whatever un- unconstrained or global strategies, right. et cetera. So, and then how do we assess what is the right value? What is the right uh, position size? And we have to be mindful, of course, about the liquidity. So liquidity in general of those instruments is a little bit less than for Regular bonds, it is very much so a buy and hold um, bond, and we should not expect to be able to trade in and out of those securities all that frequently. That is probably a little bit better with this uh, bond here from uh, that is financing the, the Galapagos Islands project because the size is already 600, what are 656 million, so that is fairly decent size and with that credit rating and with the involved parties i would expect that liquidity is reasonable in that bond but we've also played in others Uh, last year we were a um, co-lead on a wildlife conservation bond which we call here the rhino bonds that was even smaller in size, I believe it was maybe 150 million or so, so smaller in size, but we're actually still able to trade in and out of it, but it is not as uh, seamless as US Treasuries, of course, or Rogers bond, etc. So we have to take that into account and that always introduces then also the, or, or impacts our considerations of how big of a weight do we want to have in this, it is uh, still emerging markets. It is um, right the liquidity consideration, but in general, that can be and should be one of the like yeah, probably bigger positions in our global focused mandates uh, that are uh, having a sustainability focus, and it will be a smaller position in our regular mandates. That's great. Your reference in that answer. Uh, the rhino bond. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was last year. And maybe that ties also actually back to this bond that we're looking at here. It's because in each case, right, we don't just wait for the bonds to hit the market and then we get surprised and it's like, oh, there's a new bond. Do we want to buy it or not? In each of those cases, there's a tremendous amount of work in the background. And in some cases, that can la- that can be a year or half a year in the making because they are not straightforward, right? Because you you have to right. There's an impact piece, there's a financial piece, there's a guarantee piece, there is the right. How do we monitor exactly if they stay on track? What are the key deliverables? What are some outside organizations that are verifying if we're on track? So there's a lot of work that goes on in the background. And we like to be involved early in the game. Mm-hmm. And that was also the case uh, with those Rhino bonds. Um, 
where right we were part of the negotiation and we actually pushed back quite a bit because we couldn't make the numbers work like we we were at the negotiation table and we were saying look we love the idea and the idea is to fund uh, a couple of nature reserves in South Africa and to see the rhino population grow in those uh, two nature reserves and okay. the bonds are actually being the, the payment of those bonds is directly tied to the success of that project. So we get actually more money the more rhino babies are born. Well, that's a win-win for sure. <laughs> Which is pretty sweet, but 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 right, it it doesn't make sense if the numbers don't add up. And that sure. was that's why I'm glad that we're early on the table also with those conversations because we had to push back and we said we would we want to be part of this we love the idea we love the involved parties and the the impact that this will generate and the monitoring that you have in place but we cannot accept those financial terms we need a little bit more and at the end of the day we got what we needed and we became right a co-lead in in that new bond issuance and we're just about i think maybe a week away or so from the first annual report and to see how many uh, rhino babies uh, were born last year we hope for the best because it's not only the the rhino babies that we're looking after it is actually also right as as i said it's it would be beneficial for the fund if there are more rhinos in in those two nature reserves because that is a performance linked pay in in those bonds. Wow, uh, very interesting. But I, I want to circle back to the idea of you being involved early um, and uh, and being able to push back in the terms of, of these uh, types of bonds. I guess how do you find yourself in that position, Constantine? Is it is it your pedigree within the space? Is it the size that McKenzie uh, brings as far as uh, assets go? How, how do you get to that table? Mm, I believe it is the genuine interest that we have, and the desire to right also put our own work into it. Right, we're not just here to listen what others have been working on and all the hard work that they've put in like we are very keen also to provide our own thoughts our feedback um to really work through the numbers and make sure that it makes sense so we commit quite a lot of effort also on our side to make sure that it is a like a mutually beneficial relationship Right, it is not. They do all the work, and we are just here to provide the capital or our right. clients' capital. It is they do most of the work, but we will also put in a good amount, and that is something that they remember. And right when you have the first one, then it's like, hey, that really worked out well the last time we worked with McKenzie Investments on this project. Let's let's see what they have to say. And then we're part of the converse, conversation that they're having. Uh, on top of that, we're part of uh, multiple different organizations where like, yeah, I, I'm uh, part of the CFIF, which is like a Canadian sustainable finance group where we discuss a lot of those ideas that will put us 
on the map, of course, for everything that is Canada-related. We even pitch also our own ideas. So we on our, on our team, on the fixed income side, we actually have also some ideas about how to construct some better um, bonds within the sustainable space. And we're trying to pitch those ideas then also to investment banks and see if they can see if there's broader interest in, in other parts of the, the universe that they cover. So it is give and take. And the more you sure. give, the more you get. So it is a big commitment from the company, from the fixed income team. And that's kind of the reward that you get, that you get included early in, in those conversations. That's great. And the uh, I'm sure you're not the only ones at the table uh, on these deals. Uh, the other folks at the, the table, do they tend to be the, the large, well-known fixed income providers or do they tend to be sort of the niche or uh, sustainably focused um, fixed income groups? Yeah, a little bit of both. So let's say for this, for those debt, for nature swaps, I would think it is more the the bigger em shops because part of right part of that deal is to retire old debt and like we didn't have any of the old debt that went to the, the yields of 24% or 22% so we didn't own any of those so we were we are new investors in this right but the majority of investors into that new bond were actually old holders i see so i would say given that there's a there would be a significant proportion probably of those bigger emerging market players that are regularly dealing in in, in those kind of issuers when it comes to those brand new the wildlife conservation bond that is all brand new money and that is predominantly sustainability focused mandates that are are playing in those bonds that's great. Um, as you look forward, um, I mean, we've saw, we've seen a, a fairly uh, dramatic and sustained rise in green debt issuance, um, and uh, it's, it's become a, a really viable market. But I do recall, geez, not even that long ago, maybe even five years ago, um, one of the pushbacks I'd hear all the time on, on green debt was there was just not enough in there to build a reasonable portfolio. I don't think that's the case anymore. The market's sort of grown to the size where you can where you can uh, use that. What's your view on sort of these nature-linked bonds or, or the broader sustainable bonds? Do you, do you see this following that same path? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, right, you're totally spot on. Like five, maybe seven years ago, it would have been very, very, very hard to construct a a real portfolio where you would where I would feel comfortable selling that or suggesting that to clients as their like all their fixed income needs are covered with this bond mandate I could not really make that claim because right you couldn't really uh, invest in different parts of the curve. It was very heavily focused on European corporates who were leading right. the space, very little in emerging markets, for example. Um, just, a, just a few governments, but as I said, not, not many points on the curve. So it was very limited, but as, right, as you correctly pointed out, the growth has been exceptional. And now there is a... A significant 
amount of bonds that we can choose from. The way that we have in general interpreted our uh, broadest mandates is that we not only say that we, we can only buy labeled debt, so only green bonds are allowed, we always set for that labels are, are good, in some cases fantastic even, but right, we also want to look and decide independently if something is worthy of an investment with sure. the objective of sustainability in mind. So you don't necessarily have to have a labeled bond in order to make an impact or in order to to invest into a space that is contributing positively to the sustainability of uh, our planet or, or, or other areas of interest. So right, we always took that also into our court of saying, well, like, yeah, we put our research in and we will make that decision whether we believe and have a confidence that this investment uh, will serve those objectives. So, right, but, uh, but with the growth of that labeled market, we're much, much closer to a spot where you can replicate a uh, like best in class global fixed income portfolio that will uh, manage all the risks that it has in a in a pretty comparable way one of the areas where that was always a little bit on like weaker was on the emerging market side because there were not so many labeled green bonds from emerging market countries and uh, and, and companies but Right, those debt for nature swaps are actually making uh, changing that little by little. But I'm I also want to make uh, extra sure that this is like the newest of the newest of the newest things. So this is like right. three bonds, three bond issuance in the last three years. That's it. Like we're we're talking about maybe a total volume of all of those bonds in the low billions. Right. Right, that is that is tiny, tiny, tiny in the big picture, but maybe it can grow uh, in the future quite a bit. I think yes, there will be some appetite for it because those deals I think make uh, quite a lot of sense. Well, Constantine, why don't we call it there? Thank you so much for coming on, uh, doing a deep dive into these two two specific issues. I think it was a lot of fun, um, and uh, I guess this is here thanks to you and the team for doing all the work to make sure that uh, we're represented at the table on these uh, pretty exciting new instruments that uh, are doing a lot of good, uh, as well as uh, taking care of our financial concerns. So thanks again, Kosti. My pleasure. Thanks, Matt. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, 
distribution or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.